bwrdach, rhoeso cynnes i'r oedfa yma am ffrwydd caslwch o'r y gorsaenon. Mae'n braf iawn cael eich cwmni chi. Good morning and a very warm welcome to our morning worship here in the parish of Caslwchwr and Gorsainen. It's lovely to have you with us this morning. Members of our congregation will be reading and praying and my colleague Andrew Knight will be helping us to understand the scriptures a little better today. As we begin our worship, let me pray the collect, the special prayer of the church for today. Almighty and everlasting God, by whose spirit the whole body of the church is governed and sanctified. Hear our prayer that we offer for all your faithful people, that in their vocations and ministries they may serve you in holiness and truth, to the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Saviour and our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Ezekiel's call to be a prophet. He said to me, Son of man, stand upon your feet and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet and heard him speaking to me. He said, Son of man, 
I am sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I am sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious people, they will know that a prophet has been among them. These are the words of the Lord. The reading is taken from the second book of Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 2 to 10. I am obliged to boast. It does no good. But I shall go on to tell of visions and revelations granted by the Lord. I know a Christian man who 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of it, I do not know, God knows, was caught up as far as a third heaven. And I know that this same man, whether in the body or out of it, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard words so secret that human lips may not repeat them. About such a man as that I am ready to boast, but I will not boast on my own account, except on my weaknesses. If I should choose to boast, it would not be the boast of a fool, for I should be speaking the truth. But I refrain, because I should not like anyone to form an estimate of me which goes beyond the evidence of his own ears and eyes. And so, to keep me from being unduly elated by the magnificence of such revelations, I was given a sharp physical pain which came as Satan's messenger to bruise me. This was to save me from being unduly elated. Three times I begged the Lord to rid me of it, but his answer was, My grace is all you need. Power comes to its full strength in weakness. I shall therefore prefer to find my joy in proud in the very things that are my weakness, and then the power of Christ will come and rest upon me. Hence I am well content, for Christ's sake with weakness, contempt, persecution, hardship and frustration. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Listen to the Gospel of Christ according to St. Mark, chapter 6. Jesus left there 
and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few people who were ill and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed with oil many people who were ill and healed them. This is the Gospel of the Lord. O oh God, help us to listen to your word with understanding, receive it with faith, and obey it with courage. For Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Families are very good at many things, not least at personal deflation. They can take the wind out of the sails of somebody who's getting just a little bit pompous and self-important. In fact, the family may be the most effective place to do that. But it's not only self-importance. Somebody who's diving into self-pity may well find that the family is unimpressed and actually provides quite a good cure. Oh, stop whining and go and do the washing up. You know it's your turn and you're only trying to get out of it. And they may even be a cure for self-deception. In fact, families put self into context and often restore reality. That may be what is meant by a rather difficult verse. First letter to Timothy, chapter 2, verse 15, says in a very politically incorrect way, women will be saved through childbearing. No, it's not very politically correct. But perhaps it has a meaning that women, and for that matter men, although it's not talking about them at that point, not only tend to learn love and sacrifice through family life, but also are brought closer to reality and away from the illusions that we often harbour 
by precisely that interchange of ideas and unvarnished reality which happens around the family table. However that may be, and it's a difficult verse, I don't think that is what Jesus found at Nazareth. When he went to where he'd grown up with Joseph and Mary, we're told that he had four brothers, and they're actually named in this passage. And there were sisters who, after the manner of the time, there's more than one of them, but we don't get names. At any rate, he goes home on the Sabbath, he goes to the synagogue, and he speaks. And the first reaction is positive. Wow, he can do it. Where does he get this? A surprise at a wisdom and an authority in teaching. He's got something to say and he knows how to say it. And there's also surprise at his style. This is delivered with confidence. It's not the faltering citing of traditional authority that came from the scribes on the one hand and on the other hand and then there's a third opinion. No, this is much more fresh and direct. But a moment of the local boy does good is quickly drowned. It seems to be an outbreak of who does he think he is to tell us what to do? And I'm sure you can imagine the sort of excuses that were produced. I remember when he wouldn't join our game as children. I remember when he was too goody-two-shoes to go and play a prank on old so-and-so. All the petty rivalries, all the imagined insults and grudges, surface. And the point? The point is not to listen to what is said, but to avoid it by attacking the person. Don't listen. Don't be challenged to think there might be something better. Don't imagine that things might change. And of course, that's the result. For Nazareth, at least, there is no change. God honours human choice. And if Nazareth won't listen, then you see the result. Few people were healed. Miracles weren't on the agenda. Few heard the good news. Jesus might have honoured his hometown, but having not been heard, he has to move on. And at one level, that's just a rather sad bit of the story of Jesus' ministry. You can understand it. You can even imagine how it could happen in all sorts of places. And you can imagine the damage that it did. But I'm talking about it because I think there's a wider point, and I think that may be why it's included in the Gospel. A wider point very relevant to our time and our Christian life. 
We live in a culture which can't be told, can't be criticised. Speakers can be denied a platform if their message is unpopular. And yes, I do mean unpopular, not untrue. You are free to live in any way you like, but certainly not to comment on anyone else's choices, even if they're obviously very bad choices. And there is enormous pressure to make religion private. Oh, you can believe what you like, but don't let it affect your work. And don't expect it to come into education. And you really shouldn't let it bend your friendships. And I hope you realise that that simply isn't true. We live in that culture. And as a result, even as Christians, we tend to bend to it. And bending to it means making Jesus less important. Somebody to be listened to only for church. And just like the cynics of Nazareth, we're ready to pack Jesus away when dealing with things that are secular, or we might even say normal. What's Jesus got to do with my shopping, with where I live, with what I do with my time? Well, the proper answer is a great deal. But the mistake is to say, oh, that's nothing to do, that's not religious. You needn't talk to Jesus about that. And that is just a, as much a mistake now as it was in Nazareth when Jesus came visiting. You want to know about your job? Well, take the training. Learn from those who have experience and from Jesus. You want to know about the community you live in? Well, do some research. Find out what the real needs are. Find out what resources are available. And investigate the priorities that Jesus is setting. You want to survive school? Yes, well, it's a good idea. Listen to the teachers. Listen to other pupils. And yes, listen to Jesus. He has some very, very important directions for surviving school. In fact, whatever your issues and your questions, whether you're wanting life hacks, or relationship guidance, or career direction, well, yes, get the advice. See what people have got to say, and consult Jesus teaching, because there is no area to which that does not apply. As a Christian, you're not just committed to occasionally turning up in church, saying a few prayers, maybe even studying the Bible. You are committed to following a sometimes unpopular Lord. And you're committed to asking about 
every part of your life. What's Jesus got to say about this? What are the ethics of this? What's Jesus got to say about my ambitions? Or my attitudes? Or my money? And oh yes, what's Jesus got to say about my self-importance? My family life? That centre where I come down to earth with a bump, which can sometimes be a little bit uncomfortable. Amen. We are asked today to pray for the newly formed Irvon, Y and Edu ministry area in the Diocese of Swansea and Brecon, and for Acting Archbishop Nathan Ingen of the Church of Papua New Guinea. We also pray for Adrian, our vicar, Reverend Andrew, Elizabeth, Glynn and their families. Dear Lord, enlighten all in the world who earnestly desire to find the truth 
and lead them to those who can show them the way. With your love, cast out the fear that destroys fullness of life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we bring to you the countries of the world where COVID-19 is still very serious and is affecting the lives of so many people. We thank you for the health workers who are still at risk and caring for them, but give their time and expertise freely. We pray that other countries who are able to help will come to their assistance. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Have mercy, Lord, on all who are sick, worried, or suffering from poverty or any other distress. Help them in their trouble and bring them comfort in the knowledge that you are always with them, bringing healing to all. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. When we feel we cannot cope with the situation we find ourselves in and a darkness comes into our lives, Lord, we ask that your light will shine upon us, bringing us all closer to each other. We pray that you will hold us in your arms. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, be with the families who are mourning the loss of loved ones. Keep them safe in your love and comfort them now and always. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, guide us to see the signs of your presence among us in our work, our life, and with our families, and bring us ever closer to you, trusting in you alone to guide us in your truth and love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray for ourselves. In our confusion, be with us and show us the way of overcoming all adversity as we feel safe and loved in your presence. We thank you, Father, for our family and friends who have helped us in the months when things have been difficult because of separation. And we now treasure the time we can spend together as things improve. Trusting in Christ, the true and living Saviour, we offer our prayers in his name and say together, Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Well, thank you so much once again for joining us this morning. I hope you've been blessed and in some way brought a little closer to Jesus. Remember that as the week progresses, we are always here for you. If there's anything you need, please do be in touch with us. We're simply a phone call away. And now let me pray for God's blessing upon us all. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon us and remain with us always. Amen.